Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wrestling Daft presents The Daft Sheet. Welcome back to the Daft Sheet. I'm joined this week by Diamond Craig DL and Macho Man Lewis McNaughton uh, to go over the the best of the the wrestling from the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we, we missed the the last couple of weeks because of holidays and stuff, so we've got quite a bit to catch up on. Uh, we've kind of changed some of the, the the features a wee bit this week just to encapsulate the fact that it's been you know a fortnight since we were last on. There's been hundreds of wrestling in that time, uh, so we're going to try and look back at as much of it as possible over the next hour of hour or so. So as usual, uh, Lewis and Craig are going to be competing to fill our fictional dirt sheet called the daft sheet with uh, stuff for the front page which is the most newsworthy stuff of the week the back page with the best action although that's going to be the best show of the last two weeks instead of just the best match uh we're also going to try and fill page three with the most titillating gossip uh that doesn't involve any bbc scandals uh we've got the uh the tele pages to fill as well and as the centrefold this week, we have part one of a two-part interview with Davey Davey. Uh, but lads, before we, we get kicked off, how are these this evening? How's how's things in your in your life, in your in your world, in your head? How's things going for these? Oh, buzzing, a bit of free therapy. <laughs> um, uh, everything's uh, everything's going fine, mate. You know what it is. I was saying earlier on about when you're a when you're a father of three, you're just always tired. You know, father of two, you've got one more. One more to catch up. Right. Um, but that'll be So you've got the trios. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you're just uh, you're, you're just constantly tired. I feel like the past couple of weeks has just been a constant. You're out of one thing and into the other. It's all good fun, right? But it's just constantly out of one thing and into the other. Um, and it doesn't show any signs of stopping, especially as the school holidays are coming up here in uh, in Newcastle as of next week. So you're on holiday. No, yet no. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling already. <laughs> I, I'm two weeks <laughs> not in. Even on holiday. I'm two weeks oh. into the, the the holidays already. Uh, no bust ups so far, but the thing that has kind of made it a wee bit better is got AEW Fight Forever for the Switch. Uh, so me nice. and me and my my daughter have been uh, have been knocking lumps at each other on that. Her preferred, for some reason, her go to on it is Taymello. For whatever reason, she's she's kind of picked up to do the story mode on it. I've I've completed uh, Road to Elite with Brian Danielson, and it is it's quite a weird game. As as Lab talked about in the main show uh, last week, there's some really really odd, like laugh out loud bits in the story mode in it. Uh, but it's, uh, it's 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 good. It's it's, it's quite worth the uh, worth the, the forty quid spent on it. <laughs> I might I might give that a bash to be fair. Like uh, when I was when I had my operation at the start of the year I got the WWE two K twenty two and it was the first one I'd bought for ages. It was actually quite fun. But the only reason I got it was because of watching uh, Xavier Woods and, and uh, Tyler Breeze 
on the on his his channel. I don't know if you've ever watched that. I'm glad I you finished that with Tyler Breeze and know somebody else on it. They do the they do the Battle of the Brands, where basically they do like a, on the Twitch on on Xavier Woods's Twitch. They do um, one's a general manager Raw, one's a general manager SmackDown, and they like proper like play the matches out and they watch the matches and they try to put the best show on. It's actually quite good, so I only bought it for the GM mode. Um, guys, so it's quite good. I might give that a spin. I might see if it saves me for going a bit mental. <laughs> and we we know kids to drive you mental, Lewis. Uh, how how's things with you? What you've been been up to this last week? Well, uh, no good. No good excuse to be knackered. No, no Burns excuse, but I. Uh, Back from London a couple of weeks ago, so I'm glad and get back on this and chat away about wrestling because my bird couldn't give one fuck when I start speaking about Ricky Stark. So <laughs> she's like, "Who's he? Takenum? No." <laughs> good stuff. So, well, right, well, good well, to we'll get guys, back on you, <laughs> Well, we'll get cracking into filling up uh, this week's staff sheet, and as always, as as tradition, we'll start off with uh, the front page. So uh, I'll come to you first, Craig. Uh, over the last week, while what's been the biggest news story uh, for you to adorn the the front page of the, this week's staff sheet? Um, I was I was trying I was trying thinking. There's been a lot going on, but it's it's all been like itty bitty stuff, so nothing that would be, in my opinion, sort of headline stuff. Until I seen the um, I remembered about the fact that in the previous couple of weeks, AEW have sent out the uh, banned move list. And obviously, it's a, it's a big move for the company because I know that WWE's uh, been derided a little bit because of the fact that there's certain terms they can say, there's certain terms they can't say, and there's certain things they can and can't do. And everybody puts it down to an eccentric billionaire that is micromanaging the staff and it's out of order. And that's why they love the, the, the breath of fresh air that was AEW. But um, yeah, the, the, the fact that AEW's now went down that route, I think that they're now trying to protect themselves as opposed to protecting the wrestlers, you know, because I think I read somewhere that there's no objects that are allowed to be thrown into the crowd if they've got blood on them, as an example. Obviously, you know Moxley's uh, got, a, got a penchant for having a blood and guts match, but basically they're trying to stop them from, like, throwing it in and then somebody picking it up and, you know, doing something daft with it or whatever. So I think they're just trying to, like, maybe look after themselves from an insurance perspective and from a lawsuit perspective. Um, but, yeah, it just feels to me like they're reining in the creativity and really dialing down on the blood and guts. And, again, they've said it's to protect the talent and protect the fans, but reading between the lines, I think it's just to protect themselves, um, which is which is fair enough. I mean, you're running a business at the end of the day, but I think that some of the good matches that we've seen over the past few years in the AEW, there's been a lot of off-the-cuff spot calling, whereas now it appears that the match has to be ran past the producer. You know, and that's going to take away a lot of what makes AEW unique, in my opinion. So that's my uh, that's my front page story. It's it's definitely uh, a good story to kind of start off with this week because I think you know as, as you were saying there, Dale, uh, a lot of what makes AEW so good are those off the cuff, are those spontaneous moments. Whether it's you know MGF going into the crowd and you know uh, pouring a drink over a wee boy, uh, if it's Moxley's entrance where he's chucking chairs and and stuff at folk, uh, even to you know the likes of. Uh, I think one of the things in the list is, is spitting at each other. Yeah, you know that that's that's one of the things I think, Lord, uh, and that's been a thing that's been quite prevalent in a few matches over the last week. While I think, in fact, even after Jay the band list came out and the uh, Jay White uh, at the end of the the Bang Bang Club, well, Bang Bang Gang, sorry, 
uh, and uh, it's <laughs> a match the other night there. You know, about two days after the ban list was thingied, Jay White's gobbin uh, at FTR after the after losing the match. So, you know, I think I think for what I've read as well, they're going to be fast and loose with it. So it's not going to be a case of everything's outright banned. Folk are going to have to talk it over. I think I saw something earlier on from uh, Tony Khan's uh, press conference thing that he had today uh, that was saying that uh, somebody like Kenny Omega is going to have a lot more license to do stuff that's maybe on that list as opposed to somebody that, you know, that's just on dark all the time. So he's, he's having that kind of way. So it might not necessarily mean that everything's going to get cut down uh, drastically, but, you know, it's, it's obviously been brought in for a, for a reason there. Uh, do you think, DL, do you think that uh, any particular characters in AEW are going to suffer from from not being able to have that spontaneity about them? I think, I think, it's more the seasoned pros that if they want to do something, like I think if you put like Moxley, Moxley against Danielson, right? The two of them are just going to tear the house down and do whatever they want because they trust each other implicitly and they can just, they can get away with certain things. But I just think that with the, when it comes to that spontaneity being taken away from them, I think the the matches will still be good, but they'll maybe come away feeling like, oh, I could have done so much more, you know? So I do, th- I do think some of the big hitters like that will suffer I don't think the, the you know you've mentioned the likes of like Kenny Omega and stuff like that he's obviously got a stake in the company so he's not going to do anything stupid is he you know but I do think that you'll probably see some of the people maybe even like MJF because a lot of his promos are unscripted and just off the cuff and you know whatever and I've seen I don't know if you've seen the video from the, the press conference the other day where uh, Tony Khan sitting alongside him and Tony Khan looks shocked at what MGF has said, as if to say, oh, for Christ's sake, you're going to get me sued. Where, he, where the guy says, I'm from the Las Vegas Tribune. He goes, hey, congratulations on having type 3 diabetes, you fat fuck. <laughs> you know? And Tony Khan's just sat there like, oh, God. So you might end up seeing like people like that getting watered down just for the sake of self-preservation from the company. You know, I hope not. Because again, that's what makes them fresh and makes them unique. But I do think that you're going to see some some characters will have to adapt, evolve, or be left behind. It's, it's a good point you make there about the, the press conferences and stuff. Because obviously, you have MGF going off on pretty much everyone. You know, even when he's coming, it's, you know, when he is playing up the, the heel shtick quite a bit, you'll see him, you know, throwing chewing gum into the crowd out his mouth and and whatnot. Mm. And even at the the last press conference they had as well after uh, the, the last pay per view, uh, Jericho uh, smacking a bottle of water with a baseball bat right in a journalist's face as well. Uh, so, through what you're saying earlier on, the insurance side of it might be an issue. Uh, but, Luce, another thing that might might be uh, coming in on it, it might be pressure from WBD, Warner Brothers as well, because, I mean, there's talk that Warner Brothers are wanting AEW to be doing more pay-per-views and becoming more, you know, putting out more content than what they already are. Do you think that it could be a, could be a ploy from them to, you know, to kind of make, to sort of WWEify? the product just yeah. going out in their network yeah there's like when there's more people to please you've got to sort of restrain from doing loads of things that's why WWE they do it so well because there's there's a very limited I wouldn't say very limited there's a limited amount of things they can get away with to please every single person but because they're also skilled and they can tell these stories eh, maybe, a, maybe a bit less than say someone like Jungle Boy or maybe Darby Allen or, or some of the people who 
maybe need these moments, these off-the-cuff things to get noticed. People in WWE have been doing it for a lot longer under these restrictions, so I think they can they can do it easily. They can change um, moments into full stories to get over rather than these sort of TikTok spots. Good um, <laughs> but with AEW, it's, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a change because they're going to obviously be a bit more strict. They're going to have to try and find other ways to get themselves over uh, over maybe a longer period of time rather than uh, spots here and there. <clears throat> cool, cool. Well, that is uh, a good uh, first off then for the front page, Craig. Uh, that, you know, it is one of the biggest news stories of the week or of the last fortnight, rather. Uh, Lewis, what would you put up against it? What, what are you going um, to with with that one? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, like, like you said, there's not been too many sort of go-to uh, scandalous moments or um, massive stories. I'll just talk about one. There's still time. So, there's still yeah, time. <laughs> <we'll get> time. <laughs> but there, Within, there, was many, um, there was many a time me and uh, Craig were there recording podcasts in a, in a, in a former guys uh, where uh, news was actually breaking during the podcast, like the, the big uh, the big sacking call when uh, Samoa Joe and everyone was getting at least that happened while we were recording uh, one night. So, you know, I've got, I've got Twitter primed just in case anything like that is, is due to quickly refresh <laughs> just in case there's something better than what I've got. <laughs> nah. um, no, I'll just, just, just talk just, about... And kind of like, just, just kind of in saying that, well, I think one of the ones they released that night was Chelsea Green. Yeah. And obviously last night on the yeah. she's she's, you know, she's come full circle and she's now uh, one of the women's uh, tag team champions. So it's a fair play to her in that. But anyway, I'll let you go on, Lewis. I'll let you go on. Um, I'll just talk about more of a story inside wrestling rather than the um, sort of outside kayfabe um, world. I'll just talk about MGF and Adam Cole's sort of bromance at the moment, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, obviously, you have odd couples and stuff, and sometimes it can get a bit can get a bit boring, a bit tired, a bit samey-samey, but the way they're doing it, you, you can see completely different levels and layers of MJF's character as well. Obviously, he comes out usually with a, wouldn't say the same shtick, but the same format. Um, um, however, he's leaning into more of a, a funny side, a, you could say facey side, um, while still being a big arse. Um, so it's so it's good to see that different side of him. And as well as that, I think Adam Cole's been a bit of a slow burner in AEW at the moment. And I think this is going to be one of his big uh, sort of catapults into the main the main scene so it's I seen one of them as well they were Adam Cole was wanting to play uh, Fight Forever with him and uh, he was like no 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 I'm not doing it no doing it and he got proper into it and that gave me a bit of a chuckle as well they play the characters really well and Aye, they're banging on about this double clothesline oh it's um, going to be amazing when they hit it it's going to be class when, yeah, they, when they do get it I think they'll have to hit that to win the belts if they get past uh, Garcia and Guevara uh, they're going to eventually hit that and um, win the titles, I reckon. It's, it's been such a, a good storyline because, as you were saying, Adam Cole needed something solid to kind of get, get his hooks into after the, the Jericho feud that he just had. Yeah. Uh, and at first I was a bit tentative about it because it was taking the, the world champion and kind of bringing him down maybe a level to, to the tag team thing. But the way that they have worked it, you know, playing on uh, on MGF just being the, the goofy almost like stifler for American Pies, yeah. probably the, the, the best thing that I can can uh, compare it to. And the way that they've been doing the wee vignettes, you know, uh, MJF obviously trying to take the piss out of Adam Cole's size, but but Cole, you know, showing just how strong he is, that kind of thing. And then with the, the fight for the ever scene, you know, where uh, 
MJF shows a bit of vulnerability because he's never had any pals that he can play multiplayer games with, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really it's really building it all together. And you know, I'm excited, but I'm also anxious about who's gonna turn on who. Are they gonna are they gonna turn MJF face with this at the end of it? Or is it is it Adam Cole that's gonna, you know, fuck him over? Because they both they've both said, you know, oh, I was thinking about, you know, screwing you over. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to how it's going on, going on, and uh, and seeing how they go. Because I, I wouldn't mind even if you know they don't get to the final of the the, the blind eliminator tournament. I think it's going to be you know whatever way it implodes is is going to be is going to be brilliant. But do, do again to get back to the initial point I was making there. Do you think it is diminishing MJF's world championship then a wee bit having them in the the, the tag team title picture? Yeah, hey, I would. I wouldn't say so. I would say um, sometimes just having the next challenger and the next challenger and the next challenger without any uh, sort of veering off of other ways for the world champion can get a bit uh, boring sometimes. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've got Roman Reigns with the world title, but that's pretty much on the back burner of the story, um, which can sometimes make it feel like a prop. Other times can make it elevated. But I feel like this is just adding more more character to MGF. Um, so I feel as though it's a good thing they're doing. Hopefully it doesn't happen too much. Next next um sort of stories and I'd say would have to be more focused towards the belt, um the world championship. But to sort of go off in a different direction here, um have a bit of a laugh on him, show some different sides of his character, I think is a good good tool to use for AEW. And what about yourself, Dale? What have you made of the the whole MGF and, and Adam Coalition. I think that I think that it's leading up to. I, th- I think they're trying to build like the big big face of the business, aren't they? Because MGF has always sort of been that amazing cocky heel, but they try to sort of humanise him and they try to bring him back into being like a, a regular person. He's just like you. He's just like you. Something's happened. Delve deeper into the character and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, it's been quite. It's been quite. It's been quite funny to watch. Um, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how far they go because, like, to be honest with you, yeah, yeah, he's the champion, stuff like that. But one thing we've learned over the wrestling over the past maybe two, three years is that the more stuff you've got going on that is engaging content, the better, you know. And like, mm-hmm. the champion doesn't need to be in the same sort of tired feud, you know, with the same. It's, it's just rinse repeat. It's almost like like Gunther's going through at the moment on um, on WWE beats one. Next one stands up. I'm the true challenger. Beats him. I'm the true challenger. Beats him. On to the next one. Sometimes it's good to have that little bit of like, you know, little bit of side eye. Little bit of like, this is the side show to watch here. Mm-hmm. Can I catch up on this on social media as well? You know, and it's, it's easy watching. Um, and like Lewis says, it brings it brings a bit of a laugh because a lot of wrestling fans can relate to it. I'd imagine. I I think as well. It's also it's given the chance for the other challengers to be built up outside of the championship side of things. You yeah. know, you've got MJF concentrating on the tag thing. Obviously, that's going to, the payoff for that's going to be him against Cole at some point. But another side of things, you know, you've got Eddie Kingston, you know, doing his thing in uh, in New Japan just now, probably building a case to, uh, to be challenging for the title at some point. Uh, you've got uh, once Blood and Guts, is over this week. You'd imagine that someday from the elite, someone from the BCC will probably get chucked into the title picture at some point. 
You've potentially got the likes of Will Ospreay or anyone you know involved or that we think is going to be involved in in All In at Wembley, building that in as well. You've got Punk over in Collision. You know he's still cutting about with his big red bag. They potentially get the the title in it as well. So there's, they're building so much around it that you don't that you know as you were saying you don't necessarily need to have. Although it doesn't really make sense when you say it out loud, you don't really need to have the champion involved in building up the championship. Uh, lost stuff kind of thing. Yeah. So, so uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time uh, there uh, for MJF and Adam Cole. But I think on this occasion, I am gonna go with Craig's uh, story there uh, in regards to the band list in AEW, and that's going to take the front page headline, which is Sergeant TK's list of stuff that's banned. Kind of like Sergeant. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band is what it looks better written down. Looks better written down. Uh, so that'll be number one on there. That'll be on the front page. Uh, so we'll go to the back page now. And as I was saying earlier on, uh, because there has been so much wrestling since the last time we recorded, instead of going for one match uh, to pick to go on the, the back page, we're going to go for one overall show. Uh, and I think, Lewis, we'll come to you first on this one. Uh, what has been your best show? In wrestling over the last uh, last uh, couple of weeks, uh, I'd, I'd say I've probably got a bit of bias uh, by being there, sort of seeing the atmosphere, witnessing the atmosphere. But money in the bank, even without being there, I reckon this is pretty much most people's number one choice of mm-hmm. pay per view of the year, potentially. Never mind pay per view the last two weeks or show the last two weeks. It had so many, so many different parts to. It. It wasn't just good matches, it was good stories, it was good moments, it was crowd interaction, it was returns, it was building up superstars, it was giving you laughs here and there, it, it had absolutely everything. And the being in the crowd, being like 10 rows from the front or whatever, don't know how we blagged that, but uh, ended up there after a few beers. Um, <laughs> and it was... It was brilliant, hugging random people behind us that we'd never met when John Cena came out. Um, <laughs> I listened through a couple of voice notes I sent you to it. I was too, ah. too far gone, <laughs> just uh, screaming John Cena at Cena. random it's points. John Cena! <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> Good in-depth analysis there, GR. Um, but, um, uh, oh no, it was from Logan Paul's and Ricochet's dive that mm. we thought we'd seen two men die um, just in front of our eyes <laughs> at the start. To John Cena coming out randomly, I'm so glad I was there and no just away. Like There were so many people away for a pish or getting a drink or whatever. We just decided to stay. And at first, we thought it was we thought it was a promo package or something, just like mm. a, a game or everything. And everyone just slowly rose up. And when you seen him come out, it was one of, one of the, my best wrestling moments ever. Um, and the being in the UK as well, the crowds just add so much to it, um, and they added so many different layers to that pay per view, and obviously the whole thing building up to the final match. It's like it was about four hour show, but everyone was still up for it at the end. They managed to keep keep everyone's concentration, peak the interest towards the end. I know the match at the end was a bit slow a bit lethargic, but when it kicked into it, you could see everyone was still still there for the ride and still up for it. So I'd say purely because of the, 
the spectacle as a whole and the different elements that came to Money in the Bank. I'd have to go for that. Cool, cool. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the reaction to, to the show in general has been very, very positive. It's something that WWE have done really well over the last maybe eight, nine months is that there's been very few poor pay-per-views, maybe even going back as far as Clash at the Castle. Uh, but one thing that's kind of brought Raw down over the last few while has been the the crowds. You know, the crowds have been very, very quiet for the for the Raws. Do you think that American audiences will have looked at Money in the Bank and thought, holy shit, we need to get back together? Because if this is how the Brits are reacting to, to you know, just having one show there and seeing how how much the, the wrestlers are feeding off that, do you think that that will be, you know, getting back to, you know, whenever they, they lock up in, like, Chesapeake, Massachusetts yeah. and stuff like that? And I know. <laughs> I think it's just the, the case of like if you see something too many times or it's always there readily available to you uh, you can sometimes take it for granted and I feel as though that's what the American crowds may be too. Obviously you get certain crowds that are always hot um, but certain crowds I think they've just got to hit specific targets of going to this crowd even though they know it's shite but mm-hmm. they need to bring it across America to give everyone um, a show there can't just take it away from Kansas or whatever and never bring it back if it's poor. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, right? They've threatened that before. I went to see, uh, I went to see Raw, WWE Raw up in Glasgow in two thousand and six. I was there as well, 17. mate. I was there. So, so, like, you know the section where Bailey, Charlotte and Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the section <laughs> I'm talking about. So I was in the, I was in the second yeah. row, and I was one of the chief instigators of the the chants constant throughout Top it. Man. Um, and then. Basically, Chris, Stephanie McMahon came out after about, must have been about, what, eight, maybe nine minutes of just chanting. Yeah, at least. And they couldn't, they least. couldn't get the, the segment done. Charlotte was, like, trying her best to act as a heel. Bailey was like, this is incredible. And she was, Bailey even at one point said, guys, like, I love this, but Please. We, we need to get this done because we're on a timeline. And then Stephanie McMahon <laughs> came out and said, Glasgow, listen, see if we don't get this done. I swear to God, you'll never have another Monday Night Raw getting recorded here again. Um, so seven years ago. You know, there's never going to be a premium live event in Glasgow because of some absolute bellends that chanting for Bailey for 10 minutes, you know. It's tremendous crackle. For, for anybody doing um, the legitimacy of that, get yourself... Google it and you can check the Reddit yeah. feed because the Reddit feed that night people are just like, oh my god, I can't believe they've done this, they've hijacked it. It's br- it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So <laughs> <laughs> the UK crowds definitely do add something to it, and the Glasgow crowds even better when you've had about fourteen pints. Ah, that was good track, <laughs> but uh, it's it's the case of the case of these places they've got to go there. So I feel as though um, I don't know. I think America's always just going to be. It's always going to be quite quiet at certain places because it's always there. Um, whereas mm-hmm. they know when they bring it over here once a year, a couple of times a year, it's always going to be good. But I feel as though the last few weeks, especially with the uh, PLEs and everything, they've been targeting crowds, hot crowds. So Atlanta, Aye. Madison Square Garden, uh, Puerto Rico, London, whatever, they've, they've hit good crowds. So when you hear a crowd that's maybe not as loud, it might seem loud there, but it just pales in comparison to what's what's been there. And as much as it is with the fans, I think it comes down to the product as well. I feel as though the product we've been getting over the last few weeks, last couple of months, has just been head and shoulders above what we've had over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, especially 
with the amount of stars. I just I look at it and I feel as though over the last few weeks, the last few months, there's just been so many stars built. Gunther, uh, Kale and Sammy, obviously the whole of the bloodline, um, Rhea Judgment Ripley, Day as well. Judgment Day, Seth Rollins, everyone, LA Knight, uh, whoever. Mm. There's nine or ten stars now, considering a, f- a few years ago it was solely put on Roman Reigns. You could see everyone was being... I don't know if they were just wanting getting the push so Roman Reigns' push would look a lot better. He wanted him to be the star, but now he is the star. It's guiding, um, sort of giving a light to these other performers to shine. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing. You mentioned earlier night there, Lewis. Uh, certainly the, the action on Twitter and from watching it at home when he didn't win the Money in the Bank was, oh, they fucked up, they've dropped the ball, they've done another Cody no beating Roman at, at WrestleMania kind of thing. What was the, the feeling like in in the, the O2, at the, at the finish Complete, of the, the Men in the Bank yeah. match? So when every single punch he threw was a, yeah, every single <laughs> a DDT, biggest pop ever for a DDT. And when he started climbing that ladder, Inside the stadium, because the camera angle they used on the WWE Network, everything you could you couldn't see um, Damien Priest till the very last moment. But we seen it a little bit earlier, and you just heard a, a no, 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 throughout the whole crowd. <laughs> and when he got took off that, the the air was completely sucked out of the building. But they did really well to it sort of foreshadowed it that it was on first. They knew that they were going to get a whole load of pissed off fans, and that's exactly what they got. But comparison to from that, yeah, comparison of that to Clash of the Castle. So it was at Clash of the Castle, and that whole thing built up to Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, and it almost took away from a lot of the other matches that you were kind of looking forward to that match at the end. Um, and when Drew got beat, the whole crowd was chanting fuck you and everyone Tyson Fury in the middle of the ring nobody could give a shit Um, don't look back in anger I I mind I mind looking um, looking back at leaving the stadium with my pal I was like no watching it again that's a joke how have they done that why have they done that and then a year on you're looking at the storylines they've had and you can tell exactly why they've done it but that's yeah it went it went flat but then it was a tough spot for Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey to be in after it, but that right. lifted it a little bit. Um, and then I can't remember what match gone to Gunther and Drew McIntyre came out and they sort of built the crowd up after that. And when Cena came out, can he really care about LA Knight at that point? It was <laughs> <laughs> they won us back over at that moment there. So I, I it did well. Like my, my, my kids, so I've, I've got my eldest kid Logan. He's eight and he's right in his football and stuff like that. And he, he loves watching the wrestling when it's on. Obviously, as you know, like when you're a working father, man, there's, there's no enough time in the day just to sit down. So I'll get my kicks from watching like a, a YouTube compilation of it or the highlights or whatever. Or if there's a real match, I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll always get the pay-per-views that are the big ones from my childhood, you know? So your Rumbles, your WrestleManias and stuff like that. And I got this one because it was, it was happening in the UK and I was like, it's going to do something big. They have to do something big. So I remember Logan came in from playing his Switch and he's like, oh, the wrestler's on, can I watch it? So he watched it. He was cheering on Ellie and I and he was doing whatever and you know, he was getting right into it. I, I let him stay up to like half past nine and he looked and he just he's been playing a lot of Fortnite, right? 
I don't know if you know this, but John Cena is a playable character in Fortnite. It's a playable skin. So for those of you that don't know about Fortnite, it's basically just like uh, it's Call of Duty for kids and it's popular culture skins and stuff like that. So he goes on about these Transformers and Optimus Prime and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, how do you know Transformers? He goes, what do you mean it's Optimus Prime? He's a character in Fortnite. So like they learn about all these things that we grew up with because they're a character in Fortnite. So, so he turned around and he's like, it's John Cena. And I was like, oh, how do you know John Cena? So he's a character in Fortnite. Will he be on the wrestling tonight? And I was, I was explaining to him that John Cena's retired and stuff like that. And he was like, well, Dad, maybe he'll come back. And I said, well, maybe, I don't know, I doubt it. So I'll let you stay up and see. So he said, you ended up staying up to half nine. He was just about to go to bed. I was like, look, mate, you need to get to your bed because your mum's going to kill me um, for letting you stay up too late. Um, look, get yourself off to bed. I'm gutted you couldn't see John Cena. And he was like, oh, I wish I could have seen John Cena. And I, I shit you not, the TV was on and he turned around to me and he went, right, night, Dad, you can't see me. And then the music hit. And he recognised that before night, he turned around to the TV. And then John Cena came out and everybody obviously erupted. He came through the TV and he erupted. Now, he's a wrestling fan in the sense that he, he knows what WrestleMania is. He knows what Royal Rumble is. He could tell you the, the odd character. Because I, I, I don't know, he's just, it's not, I, I can't get his attention span on it. Right, but see when John Cena came out and I seen his reaction, I was like, "Shit, man! Like, I can't, I can't believe he's getting this reaction just because he knows John Cena from Fortnite." So he, he was like, he was like blown away. He was like, "I can't believe this! You said he was retired. He's here. He's here. What's he going to do? Who's he going to fight? Oh my god, Dad! I can't believe this. this is the best night ever." And I was like, "Oh man!" So and that ended up being me saying, "When, he, when the next comes to Newcastle, I'm going to take him to." A live event, so he could see it. But it just it just showed to me that you know, Cena still got pull, whether it's you know grown adults. Well, that's it. It's the it's the the pop culture crossover. Aye. You know, you, everybody talks about you know how the the Rock is you know the the ultimate crossover guy from everything that he's done over the last twenty years since since leaving wrestling full time. But Cena's up there with it. See, you know, see, and I know that you're gonna. Uh, Touching on some of the other Cena stuff uh, later on, deal. Uh, but Money in the Bank. You no, know, fantastic pay per view. Definitely worthy of Grace in a back page. But is there anything that you think could rival it, Craig? Um, just, just final word on the Money in the Bank because I know that I shot that straight away saying, "Oh, I'd love to talk about Money in the Bank," but I know that <laughs> Lewis was there, so he's he's going to have better sort of thing. With it, see from a, a fan point of view, watching at home, it was the it was the first time for a first time since maybe. I'm going to say I'm, I'm not going to say first time since Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble where I've actually stood up and like shouted as if I'm at a football match. Do you know what I mean? I got that involved because as you touched on, Lucy, the past few months, I'd say I'd say the past six months, WWE programming has been out of this world. I really, really do think it's been fantastic with the storylines. And you mentioned about these nine and ten stars. They were there years ago. They just wanted to get news properly. And it comes back to what I said earlier on. See if you put people in the right places and you, you have engaging content, you can never have too much going on and like that was, you know, you think about like Sammy nearly winning it in Montreal and you know, how good that was and you know, they've had so many good moments but that, when he mentioned Wrestlemania potentially being in the UK like, anyway, that's obviously in the pipeline for 2025 wow. that has to be happening, do you know what I mean? I think it's 2026 is the, the earliest that can happen but I, I, thought, I thought 2026 was, al- was, was already taken but it's 2025 it's not Oh, it might be, might be. Pretty and ill-informed, as always. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when I seen it, I was like, right, that's going to be happening at the London Stadium, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, because Daniel Levy will be like, money, money, money. But on top of that, they've got the retractable roof. That will be insane. You know, looking forward to that. 
you know, whatever. But we've always said in WrestleMania in the UK, would Arsenal. I'll not be there, boys. <laughs> I've, I've always said we've always said that WrestleMania in the UK would just be like unreal. And the last couple of like events that they've had in the UK have shown that they're ready for something that big. So it's going to be interesting. But the the, the one thing that I would try and compete with, I think probably Money in the Bank is going to be the winner hands down because it's a solid show. But one of the things I will say, about, we've mentioned about WWE programming being really, really good again, is that if you watch the Raw from last night, from the 17th of July, right? Now, I'm not going to say that every match is a five-star match, right? But the Raw last night did its job. It enhanced the storylines. It gave us some really, really good fun moments. And overall, it was just like, it felt like a fun show. There was some great fun entertaining matches that did the job there was some good fun promos setting up the SummerSlam card and a very decent crowd that you touched on there like they were right into it and that makes the big difference because you know you get the crowd behind you it makes all the moments even better you know because they go wild for it um I felt like last night's card they really wanted to focus on tag team wrestling and I don't know whether that's due to the fact that the FTR match you know the 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 best of three falls best of three series I don't know whether that because of that which was you know, I think Melzer came out and said it's one of the best tag it's probably the best tag match it was ever on TV um, but I don't know whether the WWE want to focus on that because they had a lot of tag stuff going on last night you know the women's title match was the women's tag team title match was good and entertaining right it was a great finishing sequence if you watch it it made Chelsea uh, Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville actually seem like a devastating tag team, the way they took out Liv Morgan. Honestly, they did the they did the disarm her, um, unpretty her, sorry, finish, and then she sat up, and Sonia Deville just came out of nowhere with a running knee, and the connection in the cell, it just was wow, you know, so fair play to them. The Alpha Academy versus Viking Raiders was really, really fun, um, and I don't know if you've seen any of that, but like when Maxine Dupree gets a jacket, and everybody just stands, and it's like, uh, thank you. You know, I mean, like, everybody bought into it, and the crowd got behind it. And then out of nowhere, Valhalla just came and fucking speared her through a table, you know. And as fucking Chad Gable was checking on her, Viking Raiders just threw him through a shield. And then Otis appeared out of nowhere, as, as somebody in commentary said, on the blind side. And then Otis just showed that for a big man, he can move. Do you know what I mean? It was a good, fun sequence again. And then the main event... <laughs> Like Kevin Owen and Sami Zayn versus um, Damian Priest and, and Dominic. Like, I mean, unreal. Great main event. And the finishing sequence to that just highlighted the chemistry that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have got. And right now, they're not on the Summer, SummerSlam card. Do you know what I mean? Like, not, like, if they are not on SummerSlam, it's ridiculous. You know, they, they well, that's the thing. They, they'll. They'll need to build up the tag division again because yeah. I, I know obviously there's been so much focus on you know the the Usos uh, and Kale and Sammy getting the belts off them and stuff. You've got Alpha Academy there. You've got Viking Raiders that are established. You've got whatever's going on with uh, Street Profits joining the Hut business, all that sort of stuff as well. You've got Champa coming back. Is he going to reform DIY with Johnny Gargano? So there's 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 lots of building blocks that they, they can put together to build it. So I you know they might not be booked in SummerSlam just now, but you could you could see a tag team gauntlet or something like that. Fingers fingers crossed something good comes of it because I mean they weren't even on uh, they weren't on Money in the Bank either. They, they were just there as as an interview piece to keep the crowd popping. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, the, the, there's got to be something there. But again, check that match out. It was incredible. Gunther v Riddle was just a bit of a filler, really. You know, uh, it's just a bit of a filler, but the, the best bit of that was the promo at the end where basically Gunther was like, all right, you want your shot? Come get it. Let's 
was called Bangalore. And then if you look at, yeah, and, and like there was a couple of examples of that. I mean, Nicky Cross gets squashed in like 20 seconds just so that we could have Baszler in the ring and Rousey and her could do an entertaining promo. And it was really, really good considering the two of them are weak on the mic. But there's a lot of people on Reddit saying that it's probably Rousey's best ever promo that she's delivered. You know, she made like a reasoned argument about how hard it was for her in the WWE in fair play. And <laughs> the Miz TV promo was brilliant. I mean, Trish and Becky are getting, they've, they've got such good chemistry, right? But there's a bit where um, Trish basically, yeah, I don't, don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a lot of callbacks to back in the day, right? But like, all we'll say is heel Trish's class, you know? So Money in the Bank was brilliant, but that's raw. It's definitely worth checking out. You know, it's the first time in a long time where I've looked at every segment and thought, yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. You know, it was a solid, like, three and a half, four out of five. You know, just got the job done, but in a fun way. And the crowd was right into it. And, yeah, I mean, the pop for Cody Rhodes as well. <laughs> There's a little video, right? There's a little video. If you watch the video of Cody Rhodes coming out, and they do the war, and he takes his belt off, and he gives the belt to his kid, this kid, right? <laughs> you see when he's giving it to the kid? The kid's so chill. The kid's like, me? You're giving this to me? And he's taking it off and being like, yes, this is so cool. But the mom is like, wow, what the fuck? This is incredible. Oh, my God. But the kid's like, I'm chill. That'd be you and Logan, wouldn't it? 100%. 100%. It was lost on the kid. Honestly, check that out. It's, It's a good funny moment. So, yeah, Raw from last night. Good show. Really enjoyed it. As I've said before, you know, I... I don't tend to get an awful lot of chance to watch though. So any clips I see on TikTok, I'll watch them. But most, more often than not, it's the 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 pop culture review that I, I, I listened to on my way home from working on Monday. Uh, and for the change, they were very, very high on uh, on the last night. So uh, if they're high on it, then you're high on it, DL. You know, I'd imagine I'd be quite high on it as well, but not as high as I was on Money in the Bank. So Lewis, you are going to take the back page. Uh, and have we got a headline for that? Uh, I haven't got a headline written. What will I come up with? What will I come up with? Uh, no briefcase wankers as money in the bank is money. We'll go with that. We'll go and we'll go with that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right. Now, this is the time where I go to our center fold interview. This week is part one. One of a two-part interview, mainly because uh, my, my guest this week spoke for ages about me actually asking any questions. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to I'm having to split it up. Uh, but that's that. That's no no slight on him at all. Davy Davy is a man who can be proud of everything he's achieved in wrestling. He's now running his own wrestling school. He's running his own wrestling promotion, uh, and he's uh, he's looking to kind of conquer 
all sorts of uh, of community centres and, and town halls and stuff across Scotland. Uh, so in this uh, chunk of the, the interview, uh, he's going to be talking to us about... Uh, <laughs> Weirdly, what it was going to be up to on the 12th of July, uh, after I said that I was off work because of what goes on over here near Belfast on the 12th. Uh, but he goes into a lot of detail about, you know, exactly what he's doing in terms of training up the next generation of wrestlers in Scotland. So uh, here's the centrefold with Davy Davy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, uh, Davey, Davey, uh, welcome to the Daft Sheet. How's things been for you? How you, have you been this last wee while? What's happening, Troops? What's happening, Chris? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Looking forward to... to... Uh, to a bit of a, a long weekend over here in Belfast. We've got the, the 12th of July celebrations coming up, which some folk may celebrate, some folk might not. Uh, I don't know how that'll be for you, but... Uh, I, I be... don't celebrate it, mate. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there on the 12th of July. I'll be... Uh, I've got a, a big company in Scotland, Glasgow Life, are going to be coming into the wrestling school and filming us to put a big thing up to. Glasgow's been named as the European capital of sport this year oh, good. Yeah, for 2023 and Glasgow Life slash Glasgow Sport who are a big company that work with like, kids and all the youth work and stuff like that in Glasgow have actually selected uh, the Glasgow School of Wrestling to be a part of it so next week I'm going to be doing a lot of filming uh, and stuff like that uh, with them so that's what my 12th of July is going to be up to it sounds a lot better than, uh, than bonfires and sectarianism anyway sounds uh, like definitely <laughs> So just when you're saying on that, you know, you said there that uh, you're going to be uh, filming some content for the, your wrestling school. Is that going to be the the, the younger uh, group of kids that you work with, or is that sort of all levels that you're going to be showcasing? Uh, well, I've got three levels that are running the Glasgow School of Wrestling. We've got five to 11-year-olds, uh, we've got 12 to 15-year-olds, and we've got adults. So the five to 11-year-olds, they're called the wee mob, and then the 12 to 15-year-olds are the young team. And then the adults, are just the adults, aren't they? Uh, but uh, it'll be the two young, it'll be the two kids' classes that are getting shown, uh, because obviously that's that's what the Glasgow Life are trying to promote. It's more uh, under 16s kind of. They do, they do promote sport to older ones, but I think they're trying to get stuff for the kids. I think that's why they've chosen the wrestling because they're more coming in at the weekend when we have our adult classes or coming in our weddings, then we'll go up to other classes. Good stuff. And how, how are you finding uh, the, the kids are taking any training? Because I know that. Uh, you know, training kids as young as what I've seen on your, the, your your TikToks and stuff. I'd imagine that can be quite daunting, not just for you, but for them and for the parents as well. How's how's all that been going for you? Uh, first, I did actually think it might be like that, but it's no, it's, it's amazing. Honestly, I'm literally, I'm providing something right now that I, I wanted when I was a kid and uh, that basically everybody that I speak to that's a wrestler and that, you know, they, they all say they wish they had something like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a lot of kids, like, it's, I'm, it's in Govan, so it's a place that's not exactly... Uh, the most well off and so it's giving kids something to do it's giving people it's giving people something to make, a way to make friends build confidence all the kind of things so at first I did think it would be quite daunting maybe I'd be a bit scared but 
But the, kid, the, other, the other kids want to be wrestlers, so they're all kind of tough anyway, you know what I mean? They do this stuff in the house. Mm-hmm. So getting getting down to the wrestling school is the best way that they can learn how to do it safely. They're not just jumping off their bunk beds or off their, <laughs> their cupboards and stuff like that with the flare. They're jumping off a, a, they're in a wrestling ring where a, a prof- trained professional who's been doing it for eight years. I'm also a, tra- I'm a professional youth worker as well. I've got my qualifications in youth work, so it's not just, I'm not just doing something when they, when they train in it. Like, I've, I've had plenty of training on both sides of it. And it is now, I, I, I've just completed 40 hours there uh, in the school this week because I've run a summer camp as well as my normal classes and that. Uh, so it's, I've been busy, busy, busy this week. That's it's, it's the, best, the best thing ever. It's my full-time living now. I'm making a full-time living as a professional wrestler through wrestling because of my wrestling school, my wrestling company, and me getting to wrestle here and there. Well, that, that's it. It's living the dream. And, you know, you know from following your career, uh, uh, over the last couple of years and seeing, you know, where you've came from, you know, just, you know, getting your foot in the door, getting trained up and whatnot to, to where you are now, as you say, running your own shows, running your own company, running your own school and, and making a living from it. You know, that it must it must install quite a, a bit of pride in, in you in terms of, you know, look, if you look back at where you started to where you are now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've all my life, I'm, I'm, a quite, I'm a quite a confident guy, but I'm, I've never really been proud of myself kind of thing because, mm. like, I've lived like when I, my mother passed away when I was young, and I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't really the best behaved growing up and stuff like that. Kinda uh, didn't treat my nana the best and all that. So I've always kind of felt guilty growing up. But now the, the last year and a half to two years, especially the last year since the school's been open, is the most pride I've ever felt myself. I, I do really feel proud of myself a lot nowadays, and it's because I know that I'm I'm changing lives and stuff. Like that. A lot of these kids come out of the school. They're not, they're very shy. They don't. You know what I mean? They're, they're not really confident and stuff like that. And then when they're new, any time I turn my back, they're all trying to heat lock each other and all that, and try to jump <laughs> off a top tumbuckle, which is is brilliant. Obviously, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying that in a bad way. Saying that it's brilliant because obviously all these kids are coming out in their shells because they've they've got somewhere to find and get to be themselves. See the amount of people that are the amount of kids that are like, usually they they. they, they karate like the taekwondo and their mums and dads are now bringing to the wrestling because originally that's what they wanted to do but there wasn't any wrestling schools in Glasgow well now mm-hmm. there isn't there's a lot there's a big influx of people moving over from like taekwondo karate and stuff like that because really let's be honest when you were a kid have you ever had a kid going like ah, I want to be a karate star or I want to, <laughs> I want to do taekwondo they kind of get kind of get put into it I think they want to be wrestlers but because they can't be wrestlers they, their mums and dads think that and stuff like that Taekwondo like, by the way, martial arts. I've done oh, it myself. I... My pals have done it and that. Uh, I'm no slagging. I'm just saying I've had a big influx of people feel it. Not just Taekwondo for boxing and uh, kickboxing, uh, actually amateur wrestling, freestyle wrestling. Stuff. I've had all these different kids from all these different clubs moving over to masculine, which I don't know why. I don't want them moving there. I think they should do both, Aye. to be honest. You know what I mean? But well, uh, that's a, it's, it's, a good, it's a good grounding for them to have in it as well. You know, from from my time training, you know, those guys that I'd be training with that do like BJJ, uh, some of them are MMA fighters as well, or MMA trainers, that kind of thing. And then you've got scrubs like me, like we know sort of uh, like combat background as well. So it's it, it shows how much a, a kind of melting pot wrestling is because mm-hmm. you can come into it with whatever kind of combat background you've got. But once you get your fundamentals and everything down, which you're, you know, you're now passing on to the, the, the younger generation in Glasgow, then once you've got that footing in the kind of the world's your oyster with it, obviously there's going to be different levels of in- intensity and stuff between the classes that you do. But what, what are the kind of the fundamentals that the, the kids are learning from you at the minute compared to, you know, what you'd maybe be doing with that? Well, uh, all, all three of my classes are actually kind of different. So the five to 11-year-olds, as you can imagine, 
It's not. I'm not. I'm not taking five to eleven year olds and teaching them how to do uh, body slams and insults off the top ropes and stuff like. That. Obviously, for the five to eleven year olds, it's more a structure around wrestling centric games. Like we play dodgeball, Royal Rumble. We play survive beanbag survivor series. We play wrestling tig. <laughs> I do sometimes teach them moves. Obviously, like sometimes I'll teach them a wee suplex. We do finishing moves and stuff like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. as well, there's a wee bit where I let them hit me with RKO's and these kind of things. But I'm not just getting them in, having them doing tie ups and wrist locks. Not even though I get. That could be maybe good for discipline. That but it's meant about the five to eleven year olds for me is about them coming in, gaining confidence, meeting friends that are into the same thing as them. Like sometimes I tell them just to bring in their wrestling figures and they can all just sit as a wee group and just play with their figures and get to know each other and stuff like that. Because it's meant about uh, the bond at that age, especially nowadays with everybody on their phones and social media and all that being so. Uh, I, I, I feel that children actually find it harder to make friends, so I'm trying my hardest to get these kids all to meet meet friends and then they're set for the rest of their life. Especially because now in a technological age, they can talk. To each other on social media and stuff like that. They can message each other on that, even though because the wrestling school that's the one thing. I've got people coming for all other places. I've got people for uh, Glasgow, Paisley, Ayrshire. I've got a boy that comes for Rossi. I've actually got a second boy that's going to come to Ross, come for Rossi for everywhere. So that's a big thing as well. These kids are all making friends that they they can actually uh, they're not even from the same area, but they can all then communicate out with the school. So that's what the five to eleven year olds. It's about more about them getting to. Obviously, I'm teach I'm teaching them life lessons in these games Aye. as well and stuff like that. I'm trying to teach them. Always, you can't always be upset if you lose. You know, it's good to want it, but you can't be upset because a lot of kids will get upset when they lose, which is. Uh, one of the biggest things in school I try to promote is especially in wrestling when they get older they're going to need to pick the rank sport if they want to win all the time you know what I mean uh, <laughs> stuff like that so, obviously, obviously I don't spoil it for them but I try to get that through to them and then obviously I try and teach them how to have manners and respect and discipline all these things uh, but mostly it is just centred around having fun and they do their entrance scenes and stuff like that like mm-hmm. other wrestling schools got to do that you know what I mean when you get your practicing but they all love it that's the one thing about the wrestling school see if I wanted to be lazy I could literally just do entrances every week and, and every one of the kids would happily just do it. They must, there must be something about getting your horns slapped when you're under all your wee pals and that <laughs> and you get your main chance. Because they honestly, every week, man, they say to me, do you want to do entrances? And I need to be like that sometimes. I can't, we can't do them every week, boys, because your moms and dads are paying money to learn you <laughs> how to rest. You know? No, I mean, would you learn this week and why is coming out is John Cena? Like, that's no, you've not learned that in there. <laughs> uh, but it's but a good way of getting them into it. And it's, it's, uh, I suppose it's working in that showmanship. For, for it, it, gets you yourself as, it gets you yourself as well. Uh, that's one thing. So that's what I like about it as well. It's not just sport what we're doing in wrestling. Wrestling's also drama. And it's like mm-hmm. uh, expressing yourself. A lot of the kids, they're only wee, like, some of the kids are about five years old. He's got his to the wild boys or that kind of stuff. <laughs> he knows what he's finishing. That he's got his finishing name. So all these different... Then the 12 to 15 year old class, it's a wee bit more. We're ramping up a bit. Uh, we're learning, we're teaching them how to wrestle, but we're, we're obviously um, at a young age, their bodies are still developing. I'm not having them bumping on the ring too much. Some some of them I will wear. I have to that going to date safe when they're not going to hurt themselves. And obviously, if they're maybe, because obviously all different sizes and shapes uh, if, when you're going through the teenagers. Uh, some of them might not want to date yet and some of them do. So I'm trying to teach them how to wrestle, but I'm trying to date as safely as possible. I'm not wanting them dating one tomboy. 
Uh, so the main thing about 12 to 15, the 12 to 15 class is mere getting them ready for once they put the adult class, they're just going to be bang, 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 bang. Uh, I can teach them all the stuff that the adult class is learning, but it's just mere trying to no put the pressure that the, the pressure on your body that the adult class would not I mean like taking bumps because what you know yourself being a wrestling trainer, you need to do a lot of bumping and feeding in your first oh, couple right. of years and stuff like that. Uh, and all they well, I'm trying to teach the kids how to do. I'm still teaching them about like their shines, their comebacks, heats, all the how match drops and all that. But I'm trying to do it without having to put the tone on their body. Aye. They all want to bump with my. Not I mean you can imagine as kids. <laughs> not I mean you can imagine me tell. Like, as soon as my back's turned, I hear a big bang. Like, you better know what I mean. Uh, they're always trying to do it, but as I said, I, I, some of them, as I said, I will wear them, but it's mere just trying to teach them how to wrestle, but try to do it as safely as possible without hurting them, without, without letting their regrowing bodies get any sore on their head with the growing pains and stuff like that. Not being, I don't, especially like that, when you're getting growing pains and stuff like that, you make you make wake up one day, you've got a sore back, you don't know if it's because you're growing a wee bit or because <laughs> you've took a bump in the mat. Not I mean? so that, that's, I'm trying I mean, to keep them away. I, I remember when I was training, you know, the bump, bumping on the Sunday. And then it'd be like the Thursday or Friday, you'd be like, where the, where the fuck did that bruise come from? Or, you know, <laughs> why, why, am I, why am I feeling that in my neck now as opposed to, you know, stay after it? So I, at any age, it's going to take its toll. But I suppose when, when kids are developing, it's, it's probably going to take its toll that wee bit harder. Now, you mentioned there that uh, you've got your, be... your adult classes as well. Has there been yeah. anything from your, your adult classes that have kind of progressed into your, your CPW shows now? Your community CPW shows, shows? So... Uh, so I've actually had uh, three guys uh, make the step up. So I've had they're, they're all a tag team as well. They're in a, a group called the Pack. Oh, um, yeah. So JTT Rex and Draven. These are actually to be fair with these guys, but they never started with me. They went and trained elsewhere, but for whatever reason, it's not really clicked for them. Not I mean I think maybe mm-hmm. places where there was too many wrestlers, just no enough opportunities. All, all the good guys are getting the spots. Not I mean so even though these guys are good, they're not going to take the spots of the guys that have wrestled for the last ten, not even the last four years in this. Uh, mm-hmm. so one of the boys actually JTT, he was he's been wrestling for five years all the other place. He's now he's thirty nine years old. I like to kid on his forty five. But he's been training <laughs> all the other place uh, and it's never clicked for him. He comes all the way through Aussie so he travels three years on right. a boat. He gets a boat he gets a boat, then a train and then another train and then he walks to the school. Uh, and it was his, he basically told me it was his his, his missus told him this is your last chance to try it with the wrestling. If you don't make it no, I mean, if, you don't, if you're going to try and go for it, get your last time. I swear to God, the boys gave it his all. He comes in every weekend, smash it, travels all that distance, helps out any show. One time they came through for two years to fly him, just headed back. He was like, what is up with you, man? That was, that was like, That's I thought he maybe had somebody, I thought he had somebody in Glasgow that he maybe stayed with or something like that, but then he told me that he'd, as well, he'd been paying like, hotels and stuff like that just yes. to help out his shows. I was like, yeah, you can't be doing that all the time, but no, but it's pain. It's painful because now he's wrestled about ten matches. He started with me in October. He's wrestled about ten matches. He's on his holiday now. A well deserved holiday to be fair to him. And when he comes back, he'll be making his debut in England. It's on a charity show, but it's still, it's still a, a good spot in the door somewhere in the south. You know what I mean? The other, the other boys will be doing that too. And then there's Rex and Dave and similar situations, uh, but they'd only been at the one place for that long. I think they were just the, the case that they never got a shot because there were just too many in front of them. But they've came to my school uh, and obviously opportunities of it is in and have went and smashed out the park. So that was Davy Davy. Uh, you'll hear the second part of my chat with him next week, although there'll be very little of me in it, just like you've heard there as well. Uh, so we're going to go on to page three, the most titillating and tantalising 
bits of gossip over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Lewis, I'll come to you first on this one. What would what's been your most uh, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? What did they always call Isa and still game? So uh, something knows bastard. What is it? Poke nose, poke nose. That's what it is. What, 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 what's made you a poke nose bastard in the world of the wrestling this week? Uh, I well, there's there's been a few stories. However, one that's sort of piqued my interest the most would be Grayson Waller and The Rock giving about a beef on Twitter. Um, I think that it's going to be pretty interesting to see if anything actually comes from that, considering. The borderline story's been about for about two, three years, and you've no heard a peep out of The Rock. Mm. He's not been near the story at all. So if he came out and had a had a match, or even the rub that he's getting on Twitter from The Rock um, shows that they're pretty high on Grayson Waller as well. Some funny stuff he's putting out about videos of him wearing The Rock's gear from his first... Uh, from his first show, um, talking about the Rock on TV, the the lot of it, it's it's a good laugh, and sort of interested to see where it'll go from there. Because if anyone to go up against the Rock, I'd say Grayson Waller is a good sort of reliable hand uh, mm-hmm. to do so to sort of ease him in again. But it's it's, it's weird to see him interacting with someone in WWE other than the Bloodline. So I'm interested to see where that's going to go. It's it's a, a really interesting one for Grayson Waller because obviously he's only recently come up from NXT on at the main roster. Has he, has he had any matches yet or has it just been his, his talk shows? Uh, he was against Edge. He, he, he wrestled, wrestled Edge. Has he not got an injury? He had a broken leg um, but <laughs> at Money in the Bank he, he sort of took out Cena and then started doing lunges on his legs just to show that he was ready to go again. So I think the whole time he's been called up, he's been injured, but back and ready to go now, I think. But, I mean, the, the fact that he got the, the kind of the Cena dub, the money in the bank, and now if they are kind of put, pushing them towards the dock as well, it shows that, that someday, whether it's Triple H, whether it's Vince, whoever it is, it shows that they, they must have a lot of faith in him to be, you know, bringing him, call, calling him up for NXT and immediately, you know, linking him to, to the biggest stars that the industry's ever seen. Uh, like I've I've not seen much of of what of his stuff at all really, uh, other than that money in the bank promo. And I think I watched the the NXT uh, event where where they smashed his leg. Uh, I think I've seen that, uh, but but I, I don't know too much of, uh, about him. But he's definitely he's he's a great talker. You know the the promo. Yeah. The, I think I was texting you at the time, uh, DL during Money in the Bank when he came, he came out to absolute crickets. But by the end of that segment. You know his confidence was growing and growing, and everything that he was saying, yeah. and he, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you you experienced it firsthand. The the booze that he was getting the, at the end of that segment would have been unreal. Yeah, serious, serious stuff. I, I think I watched um, some of his matches in NXT and that as well. Um, he was in the War Games, and uh, I kind of mind who he was against in that that sort of hardcore match. One of his last matches, I don't know if it was Champa, maybe I can't remember who it was, but. He had a, a four, four and a half star match um, on his way to NXT as well. So he can, he can sort of back up in the ring as well. He mm. can swim as Edge put it. 
Uh, he's definitely good. Look, he's you know big, handsome lad, well built, well put together. So he's he's you know he's he's kind of in the in a spot that you would maybe have expected LA Knight to have been in. You know, maybe this time last year in terms of building up that character that can talk, that can aggravate, that can instigate stuff as well. So he seems to be doing well. And do, do you think that they would bring him back? Or do you think they would bring The Rock back against him as a sort of gateway drug to getting The Rock involved with the Bloodline stuff? I think that I think that how, how long The Rock's been away... Um, bringing him in for something like that and how much money he'll probably cost and how much time he's he needs to take off for this and that and how much free time he's got. I, I don't I don't see it happening. But I'm gonna I say don't see the bloodline happening. I'm either. gonna say something that's probably gonna be a wee bit controversial, but I think uh, I don't think the rocks is relevant. Don't anymore. mention Benoit. No. <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think that the rock is as relevant anymore as he was 18 months ago and mm. I do think that he's had he had his chance to come in with the bloodline and there was all that fanning around with like being on movie set and stuff like that but the last couple of movies he's done is tanked at the box office and then his TV show Young Rock which is very good by the way like see if you've never checked out I was I was going I was going to put that as my like my TV thing to, this week but you know if you've never checked Young Rock out, you should. It's easy watching, 20-minute episodes, and the guys that do the wrestlers, the impersonations are class. Um, but I don't know, I just I just don't feel as if he's as relevant anymore to to, to wrestling. That's, that's just my opinion. You know, and I think that Aye, WWE's maybe moved on. Aye, I think it feels, like they've, it feels like they've both outgrown each other. Aye. Well, maybe not outgrown, but they, they, they don't feel like they are as... Vital to each other's careers or you know futures is is what they once were. That's exactly uh, right, yeah. That's exactly the words I'd use. Like you know, like the Rock has now moved on to the stage where you know I, I, again I don't think he's as relevant to WWE. And I think he's maybe waning a little bit because of the a couple of flops and whatever. But like he used to come back to WWE and give him a like, ratings boost and stuff like that. But let's be honest, when have they when have they did it recently? You know, if he did. I was going to say that if he was going to get inserted into the the, the, the bloodline storyline, it should have, it should have been done by now. Aye, I mean the fact that WWE often boosts their SmackDown rating just by saying Roman Reigns will be appearing. You know that that that's been the thing that the that, they've used in Fox for the last week while there was that there was a tweet I saw the other day there and it was like yeah, over the last like uh, over the last you know however long they've had that uh, they've had that visual, the, the graphic of Roman Reigns appears tonight. Nothing said about what he's doing or who he's doing it with or anything like that. And that, that seems to be pumping up the ratings. So, so yeah, uh, Grayson Waller getting that dub, that that could be uh, something to grace page three. But Craig, what do you just think? Just on the end of that as well, just on the end of that quickly as well. Sorry, Craig. Um, would, <laughs> this may be another controversial, I'd throw a controversial take in there as well. Um, I think I think maybe f- two years ago they were wanting the Rock in to give a bit more legitimacy to Roman Reigns as the Tribal Chief, mm. but now is it is is it completely wrong to say that Roman Reigns might be on his way to overtaking anything the Rock's achieved in WWE? Is he is is he on the way to being more popular than him or more? I think that would depend on what he does after the bloodline stuff. 
because obviously the bloodline has had you know almost what two and a half three years worth of investment in it now. So yeah. it'll be whatever that he goes after that. If he if he can transcend wrestling and bridge that pop culture gap, the likes yeah. of the Rocks done, the likes of as we spoke about earlier with John Cena, if Reigns is able to make that kind of jump, whether that is going to Hollywood or just becoming more of a a social media or not social media, but a, a, a more media centric guy. Because I mean, you know, we we love me, me and Dale are of a certain age where if we ever talk about wrestling, anybody our age that's no into it. They'll still mention Hulk Hogan. They'll still mention Stone Cold. They'll yeah. still mention Ultimate Warrior. That kind of thing. But but they don't. You, you know, if I was to talk about wrestling, a uh, fucking Chris Keenan at my work, he don't. He wouldn't know who Roman Reigns is. But he would know. He would know Cena. He would know Stone Cold. He'd know all those yeah. guys. So if if after the Bloodline stuff, Reigns is able to then you know transcend that that pop culture bubble that zeitgeist. Uh, then you know it, 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 it may well do so. I think. What what were you think? What do you think? In terms of in terms of Roman Reigns, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, now that you've brought up Lewis, it's one of these things. I'm thinking, yeah, and I'm thinking in the same camp as you. Is 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 he's probably done. He's probably done a lot more than the Rock did in wrestling. If you if you think about it, in terms of like his WWF reign, his championship reign, and stuff like that. It's like when you think back to the Attitude Era, either either sorry, they were swapping the belt quite often weren't they you know it was going between Stone Cold and The Rock and it went to Triple H and then it went to like Mick Foley like it went around so many different people but for the past three years it's been in Roman Reigns possession so there is a there is a really really strong argument to say that he's done everything he's done more in wrestling than The Rock did um, but arguably probably at the moment the biggest star would be The Rock because of everything he's done outside of wrestling but I mean Reigns is what he's, he's in his mid-30s the Reigns is in his mid-30s, he's still got yeah, he's, he's still got a lot of miles in the in the tank, so I reckon I reckon there's a good show that he could could overtake him, yeah. He's he's the same age as us, Craig. He's thirty eight. He's thirty eight. I mean I mean there's there's, there's no difference in the genetic build up. He's not he's not uh, finished. Obviously. He's not finished. <laughs> 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 Though man in the Emmy. <laughs> Uh, oh, right, so, uh, so I, 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 imagine, imagine looking like that at our age. I mean, what, 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 what would we need to do to catch up with him, Craig? What would we need to do? Uh, apart from have a few health scares and a trip to Turkey <laughs> for their teeth, what, what would, what would we need to do? Probably, to probably become like uh, Joe and I to, to win the lottery, so that all you've got is time to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like Aye. you see all these things about like um, Mark Wahlberg. I think he was in the papers recently a couple of years ago about his mad schedule when he gets up at two in the morning to do his first gym workout and then he does whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think to myself, I do you know what? See if you give me fucking fifteen million a movie, I'll get in the best shape of my life. I was anybody's. There's a quote uh, from uh, Rob McElhenney of uh, Always Sun in Philadelphia when he get ripped. Uh, and I'm going to try and find it here. It was basically along those lines. Uh, I'm just going to try and find it here. This is really bad radio. The hardest part of being like you know just normal people is the fact that you've still got your life to go about. Whereas these guys, they go about their life fair enough, but they just 
can pay somebody to do their food for them. They can pay somebody to do their workout plan for them. They can have a physio, uh, a physio, a, a PT that comes to the house and they go to their own gym and it's like, right, can you get out of your fucking bed? Let's get, let's get this workout done. You know, so... <laughs> the, the- well, Lord Michael Henney's quote was, uh, look, it's not that hard. All you need to do is lift weights six days a week, stop drinking alcohol, don't eat anything after 7pm, don't eat any carbs or sugar at all. In fact, just don't eat anything you like. Get the personal trainer from Magic Mike, sleep nine hours a night, run three miles a day, have a studio pay for the whole thing over a six to seven month span. I don't know why everyone's not doing this. It's a super realistic lifestyle and an appropriate body image to compare oneself to. So... <laughs> So I, uh, I'd, I'd happily take that advice uh, if if it was possible to yeah. to make that my my lifestyle. Elaine would love that as well. I, I don't know. <laughs> she, she tells me she enjoys a, a dad bod, but uh, but uh, she. It's just what they tell us, mate. So we don't feel bad. That's it. She also likes crime uh, podcasts and documentaries. So I'm convinced she's going to murder me in my sleep one night. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, so for that one for the 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 page three, uh, I want no. Craig, you've not done yours yet. I'll take a point, mate. I'll take the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Craig, what, what is your what is your uh, page three? Thing? Do you know what? There was a couple of things that were bouncing around. Um, obviously, you had the stuff with the Wyatt family that I did think about, but I just again I didn't know whether Bray Wyatt was as relevant to discuss anymore. You know, and until he comes back on the scene, there's some interesting stuff there. But the, the, the thing that I read was a nice bit of gossip was was based. I mean, not gossip, but just one of these sort of tidbits that Bruce Pritchard and Paul Heyman have been talking about recently. It's been getting a lot of press about John Cena and the way that he did the Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes um, and how he, it, for me, it shows the measure of the man because, like, he was told that he was going to be the man. He was told that he was going to be the face. He was going to be the WWE. When you thought of WWE, you were going to think of John Cena. And he granted, obviously, his record-breaking wish, and I think he's granted the most wishes in the history of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. But the WWE, like, they wanted to do, from, from what they, from what like Heyman and from what um, uh, Bruce Pritchard has said on the, the, the podcast and the interviews or whatever, he turned down every opportunity, any publicity for it. And he just was like, like he didn't want to exploit it. He never wanted to publicise what he was doing. He just wanted to grant the wish because, you know, I think there was a quote from him that he said was that, I think he said something along the lines of like, you know, their wish wasn't to be surrounded by cameras and lighting and makeup and making it look fake. Their wish was to meet John Cena, who was their superhero, you know? And obviously, like, as, as again, as, as a parent, sometimes you feel these things a wee bit, you know, you get a wee bit more sort of sentimental. Um, because obviously you don't want anything horrific happening. Um, but yeah, for me, it just showed the, the measure of the man that it just showed that behind the scenes, he's, he's, he takes it seriously. You know, for him, he's a superhero to people. And, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, any feeling of reward for doing what he does, right? Not saying that he would think, oh, I've done, you know, I've done a good thing. Like, it will be eclipsed by the fact that kids get terminal illness they're, they're effectively dying and their wish was to meet him so you can imagine the amount of emotional toll that that takes on Cena you know there was one I don't know if you've seen it but like um, there was like a thank you a thank you Cena video that was made and there was a little kid that was talking about how he had cancer and when he was in the hospital bed there's a video of him or a picture of him holding the um, hustle loyally respect never give up little little 
towel that Cena throws out at the, the start of every entrance. And it was just like, they were like, if you could meet John Cena, what would you say? And he was saying all that stuff. And like, he actually starts, John Cena actually starts crying because he's watching the tablet. And then the kid bursts through the paper, the, the, the paper thing. He's, he's, he's beat cancer. Like he's, he's had a miracle, whatever. And Cena's like genuinely like taken aback by, like not taken aback by, but he's genuinely like, God, you know? So like for, for me, I'm looking at, I was looking at that thinking, I look back thinking he's genuinely relieved because there's one wish they granted where, the person still it wasn't to a kid that died do, do you know what I mean so like for me like it's a, a nice a nice little bit of like a you know I, I don't know whether you would say it's an I you know because it's it's a horrible horrible thing um, you know they can do so many things through that make a wish thing but ultimately over and over and over so many kids have wanted to meet John Cena you know and again it's another thing for them to you know, I, I guess it just shows you how much of a, a pull that guy has in terms of his star power, and again, in terms of him being as a person, you can see what he's made out to be on Total Divas or the Bellas or whatever it was called. But like, he's granted all that time for no. He doesn't want any publicity for it. He just wants to do it because that's what the kids want. Fair play him. Aye. Fair play him. Have you seen the the? Netflix uh, documentary series about American Gladiators yet? Have you watched that? Not yet, no. No. There's a, a bit in that where it's basically, uh, you know, talking to the, the guys that, and girls that were the, the Gladiators. And there was one of the guys that he joined the, the troop quite late on and he never really felt part of the, the, the full gang and whatnot. But he says the, the best part of being a Gladiator you know, from all the, the tours and stuff that they did and, and whatnot, the best part was being part of the Make-A-Wish stuff. Yeah. And he says that uh, he, uh, there's was, there was one of the kids that he got asked to go and see and, and the, the the wee boy was besotted with him, absolutely oh, loved him, and he ended up, the wee boy passed away. But they, they buried him in the T-shirt that the Gladiator boy had been wearing when he went to meet him. And the guy was like, for whatever happens in his life, that's that's always going to be the best moment. It's going to be the most memorable thing that he's he's done. And the fact that, you know, Cena has done so many of those things, you know, you'd maybe think that at some point, you know, he'll get jaded with it. But I, I'd imagine, you know, if, if you've seen the type of guy that he is, you know, the way that he comes across in interviews and stuff, you know, there's no doubt that he's well aware of the impact that he's having on these kids' lives and the happiness that they're bringing to them when they're uh, when they're kind of on the way out. I suppose. Uh, so it's 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 happening to see that he's. I don't I don't even think he's stopped doing them. No, no, he's, you know, he's, the fact that he's, he's not none of this. He still does them, and like you know, the thing is that he's got all this sort of stuff going on. But you know, even the type of person who's switched on twenty four seven they have to dig deep for the kind of energy that that kind of meeting would, oh, would have to have, you know, like, because, you know, you look at the emotional weight of that on somebody, you know, like, you know that you're walking into a room where there is a, a you know, a, a kid that is dying of a horrific illness and he's going in because they want to see him and he's smiling away and having the conversations with him. Like, you know, again, the fact that he doesn't want to do it he wants to do it with no press. Like he just went way up in my estimation. You know, like he's the uh, one. He's he's, he's Mr. Tumble in it. He's Mr. <laughs> Tumble in it. He's <laughs> he's, he's, do, he's doing all the the good work with the with, with the sick kids and not wanting any any of the work yeah. for it, which is is so commendable. It's proper so, proper so commendable. Superhero, superhero ship. You know, in a world of car- yep. cartoon superheroes, is pretty hard. 
Awesome. Well, I purely because of that, you know, that whole feel goodness uh, about what I uh, about the the boy out of the neck uh, does. Uh, I'm going to give that to you, DL. I'm going to give you page three this week with the headline: John's hard work goes unseener. That's what we'll go for with that there. Uh, so we'll shift on now to the the television sections. What? Something. What's something that's not necessarily wrestling, but wrestling related that you have watched this week, Lewis? We'll go to you first. Um, I don't know how well it fits under that because it's very much wrestling, wrestling related, but it's not a. <laughs> it's not. It's not a weekly show. Um, it's more of a. It was a video on YouTube um, from the WWE put up, um, and it was. It was called the most emotional moments. We'll, we'll stick to the emotion, emotion side of it. We'll see if we got a few people greeting at this podcast. Um, but it was the most emotional moments of 2023 in the WWE so far, and uh, it's good because it's a it's a it's a quick watch, it's like half an hour or something. But it's it's a good quick watch, and it just shows how many how many different sort of he's gone, how many different things have happened this year so far um, it goes through Sami Zayn coming back in Montreal it goes through Cody um, giving the belt to Luke Harper's son um, Zelina Vega going to Puerto Rico millions and millions of things that have happened in six months in the wrestling and it's it just shows how how 2023's really propelled propelled into stories and actually played um yeah how how twenty twenty three has played into trying to create moments for fans. Yeah, this this year's been all about moments for fans and this is what this video shows rather than just trying to get any random show onto the T V programming that Vince McMahon has been doing for the last few years. Actually wants to evoke a bit of emotion from the crowd and leave you with actual memories and happy stories that you can bring on to tell your pals and tell your family and whoever. Cool. And I think as as wrestling fans, it's one of one of the things that, that kind of draws us in is the the emotional pull. The things that we can relate to, the things that we can enjoy, the things we can celebrate, the, the ones we can do and stuff. So if you know, having a compilation of those kind of emotional moments uh, is is you know probably quite uplifting. Uh, where yeah, sometimes definitely. what goes on in WWE maybe isn't the most uplifting stuff to uh, to kind of get your head around when you know what's going on backstage. But it's the the ones that are out on stage that that are making you feel those those feelings. I feel that so as, we, as well with yeah with with the WWE. There's a lot of there's a lot of stories that have been very dark in the past. But I feel as though this generation of superstars are sort of leaving the egos at the door and trying their best to actually create something for the fans rather than just themselves as well. And that mm-hmm. really shows through in these moments that obviously you've got to be allowed to do that from creative, but the wrestlers themselves, especially with the John Cena stuff as well, things like that, they seem to be a little bit more compassionate and a little bit more for the audience rather than for themselves now. Cool, cool. Uh and you say that that was on YouTube? That you seen that was that yeah, network? Yeah, just on the just a few days ago on the WWE um YouTube. It's... They're really getting the finger on the pulse for the fans at the moment and it makes like 
I've always said this, you know, with a career in sales, for anybody to make a decision, you have to be bought in. To be happy with a decision, to be happy with something, you have to be bought in emotionally and you have to be bought in logically. And I think that that's something recently where WWE's hitting a sweet spot with it. You know, emotionally, we wanted Sami Zayn to win the title in Montreal, right? Logically, we knew it wasn't going to happen and it yeah. wouldn't happen. So we made peace with that before the show even happened. But they told an amazing story where you thought, fuck, they might pull the trigger. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Aye. Emotionally, yeah. we want to see Roman Reigns get pinned and lose the belt, right? They've done the first part of that where he got pinned and logically by one of the Usos, right? It's like shit. It's, it's all, so they've, they've really, really hit the nail on the head with a, with a lot of their emotional and logical decisions. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, I think that's, you know, I'd like to think that at some point they're sitting backstage and they're saying, right, with this decision, emotionally, how would we react as fans, right? Yeah. Logically, mm-hmm. does this make sense? Is this going to further the product down the line? And, you know, they've done, they've done really, really well, you know. I would argue is like they were going to, they were going to build Wyatt up to be something massive again until they just sort of started rambling for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and producing nothing, you know, and it's given us as a byproduct, it's given us early night to be pushed up to the moon. So, yeah, I'll check that out. That'll be, I'll be good that. I'll get looking at that as well. Uh, but is there going to be something that I'm going to look at before that, Craig? Is there something else that you think should watch before the emotional uplift in this? <laughs> there, was, there was two things I was toying between. One of them was a, was a Cody Rhodes war compilation. Um, if, you just, <laughs> if you just want to get fucking in a good mood and like, you know, like, wrestlers always got that music that you can sing along to and stuff like that. And the theme song, the Cody Rhodes Scott, it's brilliant. Like the, the way that it happened in London, it was like, pfft. I think even if you watch his entrance back from London, like he even stands back as if they go, fucking hell. How cool is that? Uh, the it's the first time as well that the whole crowd was singing the whole song. The whole song. It was, everyone yeah, knew yeah. the words, the whole thing. So I was going to, I was going to say something along those lines, but like, I'm going to take it back to the, literally back to the dark side. Um, bringing all the bringing all the downers tonight, lads. Sorry, um, but um, Dark Side of the Ring's obviously back, and I, I've watched the episodes. Like I let the episodes build up, and then I binge four or five um, because I do find them quite interesting. Um, especially because some of the stuff that you obviously you never know about. There's old school wrestlers that you hear stuff about, but the the, the most recent episode that I watched out of the, I think it was four or five of them I watched the row. Um, but the one that I watched that I really enjoyed was the um, Matt Bourne episode. Um, like, I think it's like the destruction of Doink the Clown or whatever, destroying Doink the Clown. That episode is probably one of the best in the series. And if anybody of, of our age, you know, if you're in your mid-30s and you remember Doink the Clown, you remember all the stuff that's going on, take a watch at it because it's so interesting in terms of how much of a mad bastard this guy was. But he was a mad bastard to the extent where like Mick Foley wanted to be Doink the Clown. And that's one of the things that came out of the documentary. Mick Foley, <laughs> Mick Foley wanted to not join the climate. Mick Foley wanted to be him. Like he was so impressed with, so impressed with how like he could live that character. Do you know what I mean? And like I didn't realize that he was other characters as well. He was like, uh, you know, check out. Like it was a really really good episode, forty five minutes of it, and his wife. His wife and his daughter come across as so well in the in the episode in terms of like like it was my dad, you know, I was my dad. That was my and like I think 
he had like a massive drug problem. And there's like an altercation between him and Jake, uh, him and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, of all people, where like the match turns in from a match to be in a shoot. And, and Duggan's like, do you want to fucking go then? Do you want to work this match or do you want to go? And then he just fucks off out of the building. He's in a high school gym. And he was like, you've, you fucking, it was like something I'm watching, it's like you're watching Lemmy. <laughs> you, you fucking know, you know, fucking, you know. It's like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan standing in the ring with his two by four going, right, come ahead. He's like, you fucking, you fucking know, you fucking get you. And he just walks out, never to be seen again. <laughs> right, honestly, it's, it's the maddest 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes. But I really, really enjoyed it. You know, so I definitely check it out. You don't, you don't. You, you, when we were kids, you just see this mad clown that was a daft gimmick, but you don't appreciate Aye. how good of a wrestler he actually was and how good of a storyteller he was. I mean, you look at like uh, other characters that have had, uh, similar types of gimmick. You know, the the kind of the the most cartoonish and outlandish ones. The 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 one I'm thinking of, like just off the top of my head, Eugene, like Nick Dinsmore. Obviously, a very, very gifted wrestler. You know, I think he was like collegiate champion, all this kind of stuff. And the thing that he's most famous for is being, you know, mentally handicapped uh, in the ring. And then you've got guys like Matt Bourne, who, you, you know, when everything, you know, kind of went to shit for him, it was easy enough for them to uh, to duplicate him because he was under all the, the makeup and stuff. Yeah. Other, you know, you'd like the other doink, you'd dink factored in at some points as well uh, but you kind of you take for granted you know everything that those guys have done to get to becoming those kind of comedic characters I mean you even look at uh, Santino Marella you know was it Ant- Ant- Anthony Carelli John I think his name is John like John Chena I'm, I'm pretty sure we were in Donkey uh, <laughs> Donkey Man I'm pretty sure it was Fur Park. We were in Fur Park Terrace when when he debuted, when he had that, the, the Milan yeah. Miracle. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously Anthony Carelli. I'm saying, I think that's his name. Apologies if it's if it's not. But you know, get gifted this. Like you, you look at even you know Scotty Too Hotty. He's like doing all the, the Indies across Europe and everything just now. You know, he's doing seminars, teaching everything that he's learned at the, the everything he's done at the PC, that kind of thing. But all you kind of see of him is the guy with the hole in his hat and the hair sticking out it and doing the worm. So I'd, I'd imagine that for all the all the the troubles that, that Matt Bourne was in in terms of his, his drug addictions and stuff like that, you know, there's maybe an element of not being taken to, literally the tears of a clown, you know, not being taken seriously at his craft that he was having to, you know, fuel everything with it. I think, I think he mentions that in like the... Um... In one of his last shows, like he's sitting, he's getting filmed putting his makeup on. He's like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm shit hot at X, Y, and Z, but yeah, I am playing the clown. And like, yeah, it was just, it was, it was crazy. Like when you watch it, and you just think to yourself, wow, like this is, this is batshit. And Mick Foley comes on, and Mick Foley's like, this guy was incredible. Like I wanted to be him. And when I heard about the Doink the Clown character, I was like, fuck, he's so lucky. He's going to kill that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's Mick Foley, like who's came up with three of the three or four of the greatest characters. But Mick Foley is just himself. But three of the greatest characters that ever graced WWE. Do you know what I mean? And he's saying, "I wish I could have been doing the clown." Do you know what I mean? It's just fucking. It's just fucking mad. But like, an interesting tidbit from that was I don't know whether I picked it up wrong, but you know when the, the second Doink came out, 
he didn't have a fucking clue what was going to happen. So when the second doink came in, like he had no clue. I think it was WrestleMania 9, the outdoor WrestleMania. And then they do that bit in the ring. But apparently that was all off the cuff and he was like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then like, it was because they brought they brought the other one in. That guy, that, that clown was going to turn on Doink because they wanted to fire Matt Bourne because he was fucking out of his head on all sorts of drugs. So honestly, yeah, honestly, watch it. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, Chris Jericho is the narrator for these ones and he's always pretty good when he's the rain, but he also dressed up as Doink the Clown once on an episode of Raw. So, you know, so I think he's close to his heart. So that would be my suggestion is uh, The Dark Side of the Ring get it checked out especially that episode of Matt Bourne cool cool well from looking at the the arguments that both of these have put together I think because we put in the, the John Cena Make-A-Wish stuff the last time uh, I think we've we've had enough emotional baggage uh, in there so I'm going to put Dark Side of the Ring in uh, as the TV pick this week and I'm going to go with the headline for that Doink Side of the Ring <laughs> uh, which is what they should have called it in the first place anyway uh, so what we'll do is, because of the format in which we are recording, I am fast running out of time. Uh, so we don't have time for the, the regular week game and shenanigans at the end. But it doesn't matter because, Craig, you have got the most headlines in the paper this week as it is. You, it was an unassailable lead, uh, unfortunately, Lewis. So you need to buck up your ideas for next time you come on. Uh, so the headlines that we hit this week Just on the front one page, that's got a good headline, we had eh? Sergeant TK's list of stuff that's that's what it is. That's what it is. Don't be bad. Don't find, be bad. It was a reasonable <laughs> argument that was put forward. In no way is this show predetermined, right? It's real to me, damn it. It's real to me. It's still real to me. This so as I was saying, this there, isn't question of sport, right? It's not fixed. Tell you, I, I was convinced. Just when you mentioned question of sport, I was convinced Paddy McGuinness was going to be the be the, the guy uh, before they said it was a, a news leader. Paddy was on uh, Talksport today and he was actually really, really good. Really, really funny. Really funny. But, you know, we need to bring back Alan McCoy today. He's on holiday. I'll tell you something. Uh, do you know something? I think you might. Do, do, you, want, do you want to know something? I was listening, I was watching... Uh, uh, Tom Campbell, friend of the show, had put out a tweet the other day there about how did you how did wrestlers get their wrestling names? Uh, and when when I was taking bumps, I, I was known as Kirk Cooper, named after Stevie Kirk and Davy Cooper from Motherwell's nineteen ninety one uh, Scottish ah, Cup win uh, right? over Dundee United. Is that right? That's that's where it came from. That's incredible. And Ali Mac- Ali McCoyst is commentating on that match, like on all the he was the commentator on the BBC and. Even back in 1991, it was for. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen, you the, seen the Grado clip of him doing impersonations of him? Aye. I just, I just can't stop. At first, you were speeding. No, you're not. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop talking like Alan McCoyst. I'll tell you something. First. Also, uh, just. <laughs> Just when you mentioned Grado there, I, I don't think we've actually addressed the fact and said congratulations to uh, to to the big man on getting married. So if he's listening, which I very much doubt he is, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's one of the the steady seven hundred listeners that we're getting every see, week. See if he is listening, Grado. Congratulations on your wedding, and also big thank you for doing the promo video that you did, wishing me a good wedding. Back in the day at the Brayhead Arena, my brother was full of the full of the beer and he cornered you and you cut a promo for about fourteen seconds. Um, you know, you wouldn't remember it, but you know, you finished it with a big it's yourself. Because he was the he was the stag, well, he was the stag do banner, if you remember, Chris. Yes. 
Yes. That was... Uh, I, I, I've, I've forgotten a lot of that stag do, to be honest. Uh, I, I remember getting kicked out of Witherspoons in Leeds. I remember that, but... Uh, no, I don't think Anyway... That, 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 that's that's my beef for the so for the dark, dark dark side of the daft sheet. Can maybe maybe do do that? Uh, but as I was as I was trying to get through the front page, Sergeant TK's list of stuff that's banned. The back page was uh, no briefcase wankers at money in the bank. Uh, we had David Davy in our centre fold for page three. We had John's hard work goes unseener. And then for TV, we had Doink side of the thing. So, you know, this has been uh, the comeback of the daft sheet after two weeks off. Uh, if you are an avid listener to this, let us know what you think of the show on all the socials, with on tw- on the Wrestling Daft Twitter and, and whatnot. Uh, if you've not subscribed to Wrestling Daft, do so. Uh, sign up to the Patreon, get in the Discord, uh, come in the chat. We'll maybe see you at this karaoke night that they've been great or trying to organise. Uh, and uh, however you enjoy your wrestling this week lads Lewis, Craig make sure that it is daft and make sure it is shitty <laughs> <laughs>